Time to Shine On, the podcast where older people share stories. My name is Mally Harvey. We meet creative older people in Leeds and find out about their lives. Today's podcast is called Everybody Dances. We meet Tamara McClaug, an internationally renowned choreographer who is now living and working with older people in Leeds. Tamara is passionate about the power of dance to change lives. I spoke to her alongside Margaret Bending, who works with her in the performance ensemble. I started by asking Tamara about how she was introduced to dance. Hi, um, well, I first started dancing when I was about eight, but how I was introduced to it was I I was walking down a road with my mum, I must have been about eight years old, and I heard this beautiful music coming from a, from a room it was it was like a community center or something and i just pulled my mother in there and it was the music that pulled me in and when we went in there were all these obviously little girls um in their pink tights uh standing holding a chair and dancing and i just went that's what i want to do i i want to do that uh, and music has been very, very important to me. And then from there, I I was uh, trained as... I went to Poland for two years where I trained at the Poznan State Ballet School under the Russian method. And then I went to the London School of Contemporary Dance, um, which is known as also as The Place. And then I was very lucky. I got a Goldbenkian Award to go and study, further study in uh, New York. And your your dance career has um, blossomed since then in many ways, really, hasn't it? And led you down a different path altogether than just just dancing. You choreograph, I think. Yeah, what I discovered when I was at the place, I discovered choreography, and it has been my passion my whole of my life. And when I was at the ballet school, I, I hated it. I wasn't happy at all, and I don't have the body for a ballet dancer. And I never quite knew what was wrong until I really discovered choreography. I never thought how the dances got on the stage. And then once I was given that skill, once I was that door was opened for me, it was just such a revelation. It was just incredible. And it's been my love all my life. And led to lots of different things and, and lots of different experiences that you've had in dance. Can you tell us something about them? Yeah, I... I I was very lucky in the sense, as I said, I went to New York to study and then I was invited to make pieces for companies. But then I realised, I was very young, I was 23, something like that, and I realised that I just didn't know enough. And to become a better choreographer, I felt it was really important that I worked with other choreographers, that I had that experience of what it was to be a dancer. It's one thing when you're training and you make a piece and it's that one night and everybody's terribly excited. But what do you give a dancer when they're going to be making that piece night after night after night, maybe for two years? Um, what is it that you feed them when you're making the work? Um, so I was lucky enough to be able to work with different choreographers uh, and it was a real learning experience for me. And I have to say that I just feel that I never, never stop learning, that I'm always learning something new, which is what I find exciting about this area that I'm involved in. Um, but along the way, to answer your question, Mally, I've sort of <laughs> gone off on a tangent, but uh, to answer your question... Uh, along the way, I discovered what we call community dance, and um, I realised 
slowly, slowly that this was really my passion, working within a community context. And that has led you into lots of different areas. Can you tell us something about that on the international scene, for instance? Yeah, um, my first time that I worked within a community um, context was 1972 when I was a student at the place and I was a scholarship student, so we had to go off and do different things. And um, I sort of loved it. It was it was these lovely little kids. Um, and then along the way, I started working. It was part of, to try and get more people, to try and build an audience, we started working within the community. This is like mid-70s. And the idea was that we'd get them so excited they'd want to come and see us dancing. But what we realised, they didn't want to come and see us dancing at all. They wanted to do it themselves. And slowly by doing this, we began to see what the byproduct of, of, of the work was, how it helped people to empower themselves, how to develop their self-esteem. And I'd say the last 20 years I've been working... Um, internationally, mainly with young people and young people at risk or marginalised. And I absolutely love the work. So I've been involved in Ethiopia, in South Africa, in Peru, in Mexico, uh, many countries in Europe, um, Vietnam, Brazil. So we've gone and we've worked. But the whole idea isn't that we go there and we make the work and then disappear. It's how can we develop and sustain the work. So it's working with local people, local dance artists. And what we're doing is giving them the information so that they can take over the work and do the work that is right for their culture. Could you say something about the difference you see in when when children that you have work with in these communities when they first come to you and how the week of work with you changes them and what they gain from it uh it changes them a lot i mean depending where and and the situation and what is happening of course politically um which i won't go into now um I've, I always say that if we've managed to change one life, we've succeeded because in the many areas that we work in, it's really tough, really, really tough. Um, you know, for instance, in Mexico, the the violence, I, I've been working on a project in Tijuana um, where they have the highest rate of homicide in the whole of Mexico. And in the area that I work, they've had a lot, a lot of murders. So it's how do we help those young people find a different route. Um, in South Africa as well, it's really, really difficult. Um, and you go into the townships and we're, we're working there. How do you change their life? Because there's there's this whole social element that's that's involved as well. So I always say if we've succeeded with one, then we've we've succeeded. It's that tough. Is it difficult to get children and young people that are involved in gangs, perhaps, in some of these places? Is it difficult to get them into the dance in the first place? We work very closely with organisations, so it's not just me arriving. And usually I've got a team, I've usually got an assistant, and then we find somebody who's local to be assistant or a couple of assistants. I, if I can, I try and have a composer. That all depends on funding. So there is a team of us that come in but we work very 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 closely with the organization there's a lot of discussion before we even start for instance in Vienna 
uh, we were working with a group of Turkish women, Muslim Turkish women, and it took nine months to set up that project for them to trust us enough to be able to do that project. And I know you wouldn't expect me to say that in Vienna, but you have to think of what was happening, what's happening there. So lots of these takes a long time, a lot of discussion before we even start. And then after we've started, how can it keep, how can it be developed? How can it go, be sustained and carry forward? Do they get carried forward? Do you find that the, the local people are sufficiently engaged to find the funding? Because that must be a problem. Yes, yes. I mean, Ethiopia has been incredibly difficult. We worked with 18 um, street children. Uh, a colleague of mine, Royston Maldu, went out to do a project in Ethiopia with 150 street children. And um, out of that, we decided to train 18 of them. Uh, originally, we thought it would take three years, but it took five years. They are now still working and living in Addis Ababa. Um, and, but they're having to be supported a lot by Royston's charity. So we, even though that was 20 years ago, they are still being we still help support them if they if they're in that situation for instance the project in South Africa that I've now retired from because now it's been taken over there we had to find funding we found funding for the work to carry on in Mexico so it's not just going out there and making a uh, doing a dance there's those whole other areas that we were dealing with and I assume that some of those young people you first worked with 20 years ago are now leading they're the leading. They're leading. It's was, interesting. Yeah. A, 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 a book was written about community arts or something, and, and somebody had written. I can't remember who it was now. Had written. Was it worth the money that was spent for 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 a dunya for the Ethiopian group? And I was out there two years ago, three years ago, and I looked at the work they were doing, and they were teaching loads and loads and loads of kids. It was worth every penny because it wasn't in the end it wasn't just for them it was it's it's carried on it it has carried on, and we don't question that, do we in the West when we send one of our children to to go and and maybe go to university and the amount of money that's cost we don't question is it worth spending that money on that one person, so why do we feel we have to question that when we're working within uh quite uh challenging situations? An amazing life, Tamara, and still going on, I think still you've had a recent visit abroad, I know. Yeah, uh, Mexico. Yeah, I literally just come back. Uh, well, about a month ago, came back from Mexico, and I'm just leaving that project. Uh, I first went out there nine years, so it's been, uh, it's taken time to get to the point. But now that we've, we've found the funding, and they're, they're able to, they don't need me anymore. The whole point is that they don't need me anymore. Um, I'm now involved with the performance ensemble, um, and I've choreographed their last six pieces and perform with them. And uh, one of the things that I feel I'm learning now, because I've been working so much with young people, although different ages, yes, along the way, but my main priority has been young people, uh, is working with older people and working with older bodies. And I feel I'm learning a lot. How, how, how do I do a warm-up? And one of the things I question as an artist, how am I representing older people? When I put them on the stage for a performance, how am I representing them through dance? And 
I have to admit, I'm getting rather tired of seeing older people sort of wiggling their hips around and, and feather boas and, uh, yes, we're still sexy. I think we're much more than that. And it's about issues that maybe we want to explore or challenge ourselves or how can we push ourselves physically. Um, so for me, that that's quite uh, an area that I'm looking at and exploring at the moment. Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm making a piece, I think you mentioned it, I'm making a piece, I call it Beesden Dance because we're based in Beesden. Most of uh, from have come through the performance ensemble and um, I'm, I'm trying to explore in the piece um, something that I saw when I was in Palestine that affected me quite deeply and also about walls and immigration and so I'm trying to explore that. Whether I get it or not, I don't know. And will you continue to work with the performance ensemble? And perhaps you'd like to tell our listeners exactly what that is. Um, well, what I do with the performance ensemble, I do the choreography and I teach, I do look after the movement, basically, and choreograph the pieces. But it's the, the performance ensemble itself, what do they do? Oh, they do lots of stuff. Um, that we've just done a big performance at um, the Playhouse called Symphonia, a piece, and also a hundred, you know, a thousand and one stories mm. where stories were gathered um, from all over Leeds and beyond. Um, and there was a takeover of the Playhouse of Older People. We also did um, an evening called Move, Moving with Joy, which we had Lychee Red, which is a tri Chinese group, um, the Van Damme group, South Asian, um, Ascend Dance, Third Bite wow. uh, performing. And also, which was wonderful, we had uh, David Hamilton, who was a founder member of Phoenix Dance Company, doing a solo, and a wonderful woman, Joan Holmes, uh, who did a solo, and she She's 89, and I think she's amazing. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us, what you're doing now, or is that what you're solely focusing on? It's it's now what I'm solely... Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I can work with no. the young people. I don't think I can throw myself to the floor and roll and get up anymore. It's just too hard. Um, no, this, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing now. Well, thank you very much, yes. Tamara. That was wonderful. And I think we've only just touched the surface of your life. There's so much more to learn about what you've been doing and what you are doing now in older age, which is a real comfort to us older people. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you, you I love it. I love it. <laughs> if you enjoyed this, there are more Shine On podcasts to listen to. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more fascinating stories on our website in the form of podcasts, articles, interviews and features by and about fascinating older people in Leeds and Yorkshire. Go to www.theshinemag.com. If you have an idea for podcasts or would like to join the storytelling team, contact us at podcasts at theshinemag.com. Shine On is brought to you by the makers of Shine Magazine with support from Chapel FM. Season 1 is funded by Leeds Inspired.